Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. With an off-season edition of Breaking Big Blue, where here's what I'm going to do in this episode. Ready? I'm going to bring you my 2019 off-season plan, right? So this is basically what I would do if I were in Dave Gettleman's shoes and trying to rebuild the Giants, okay? So some of the moves that I'd make, how we, how they'd sort of rebuild the team. And here's the way I look at it right now, okay? You have to understand, this is a multi-year process that the Giants are in right now. This is a multi-year plan. They are not going to be able to slap it together this year and be a serious Super Bowl contender. That would be the wrong way to do it, right? They've already done that. They did that last year. And what happened? You end up where they are right now, which is a 5-11 and team, not anywhere near competing for a Super Bowl, and with needs all over the place, not in great financial condition, not in bad financial spot, but they're not the team like the Indianapolis Colts with $100 million in, in uh, salary cap space or the Jets with like close to uh, you know $80 million or whatever those their numbers are. So, so this is what happens if they can't make that mistake again, right? You you can't go down that road a second year in a row, all right. First of all, the Giants should have realized three three years ago, three or four years ago, basically that they needed to kind of do this. They tried to slap it together for the end of Eli. Minimum two years ago, they needed to say, okay, it's time, right? They went eleven and five. They fooled themselves that year. They came back, but after that three and thirteen, they sh- they should have realized, okay, this is our opportunity. With the number two pick, let's reload. They didn't. So now they're paying for their sins. Now, that brings us to where to start with the offseason plan, okay? WWJD. What would Jordan do? All right. First, we're going to start with getting your quarterback of the future. Now, I'm not down for signing... I mean, I, I, Nick Foles, if it would be a temporary thing, but guys like that, okay, um, any of the veterans that, that may shake out or whatever, the really stop gap, guys that they're okay, you can win with, you don't feel terrible having them, like the Nick Foles, okay? Here's the, here's the dilemma with the Nick Foles. Do you really want to bet the future of your franchise on Nick Foles? Are you willing to invest in that? Like, I think you could win with Nick Foles. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles did it. But if I'm a team and I'm trying to rebuild, I want to get that future franchise quarterback, right? I want to get that guy that I say, this is my guy. This is what I'm investing in. So for the Giants, they have the sixth pick. They they were so bad this past year that they sucked themselves into a position where they could now get that quarterback again, right? You say, okay, last year, this was part of the, the argument and the dilemma, was last year, that was their opportunity, right? That was their opportunity to get a quarterback. It was sitting there right there in front of them. They had the number two pick. There was a big quarterback draft, blah, blah, blah. Now they're still sixth. They were so bad this year, the plan backfired so bad that they're back in the top ten again and really the highest team in the draft order that needs a quarterback. Now, they might have to trade up for him. It might cost them a lot. I mean, think about it. The Jets last year went from six to three, and it cost them two second-round picks, right? So if the Giants want Dwayne Haskins, which is the quarterback I would get here, 
it might even cost next year's first-round pick. That's not out of the question. But, and I always say this, if you think he's the guy, and right now, I mean, I haven't done a ton of, of research on him, but from what I've seen, I, every, I like Dwayne Haskins. He would be my guy. If that's my guy, I do whatever I can and whatever it costs to get that guy. Right? That's how important quarterback is. Okay? So, for me, I'm drafting my quarterback of the future. All right? And I also think at the quarterback position, the Giants need to move on from Eli for a couple reasons. All right? There's the $23.2 million he counts against the salary cap right now. Big number. Really big number. Especially for the production they're getting. Okay? Not sufficient for that number. All right, you don't you don't want that. Now you could say, all right, get his number down, get him down, you know, to take a pay cut, blah blah blah, this and that. Here's the thing: to me, you need to move on. The more he hangs over this organization, the bigger problem it becomes. Right? You you just can't. Cut that cord. If you just can't, there were already a couple years past the point where they should have cut the cord. I know most people at this point finally agree with me on this. They, they've they've gone past the expiration day. Now you want to keep him around. You want some people say, let's keep him around. He'll be the bridge. Uh, he'll be the mentor. You're going to do that for fifteen million, sixteen million, even if you cut his number down. You're going to do that and still have him hang and hover over the next franchise quarterback. For the few, for the sake of the franchise, for the sake of everyone in that locker room, I think it's best if they move on, right? You got to do it at some point. Just do it already. You can get another quarterback to come in and be the mentor, to help him out. Josh McCown is available. You know, you don't have to pay him the ten million the Jets did. The Jets totally overpaid him to do that last year. You could pay him the five million dollars to be the mentor. So why are you really going to pay? You know, 15 or 20 million and have Eli play and hover over the other quarterback. And then there's going to be the talk of when do you pull him? And, and the other, and, and then there's going to be like, how do you do it respectfully? Like, enough already. Like, enough. If the more he hangs around, the more you're just going to have to deal with this. The next quarterback's going to have to deal with this. They're already walking around on eggshells in the whole organization and the locker room for the past year or two over this. You don't want the new guy to have to deal with that. So to me, it makes sense to move on right now. You know, you take a six million hit. You bring in. in my, this was this is my ideal situation. You get Dwayne Haskins in the draft, and you get Teddy Bridgewater as a free agent. Teddy Bridgewater is not in position, in my opinion to warrant a long-term investment and deal from somebody. Nobody's going to say, yeah, I'm going to pay Teddy Bridgewater a ton of money and say this guy's my future quarterback. There's way too many question marks with him, right? He hasn't played basically in three years. He has a really – he had a, a serious, serious knee injury. So to me, I think that option is available. You say, Teddy, one year, $10 million, okay, then in this case, you wouldn't need Josh McCown. That was just an example if you wanted to bring in, you know, a mentor. But Teddy, one year, $10 million. You know, you get to start first year with 
Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Sterling Shepard around you. If you play well, who knows how it goes from there, right? And if the Giants end up with two guys, even better. You know, because Teddy's still young. Like, if, The more quarterbacks you have, the better. I mean, look at the Redskins. Remember, they, they picked uh, Kirk Cousins after they had picked RG3. Now, granted, I know neither of them end up being Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, but this this is just the point of stocking up on quarterbacks. They they stocked up on a quarterback in the I believe Cousins was in the fourth round, despite taking the number two overall guy, because they wanted to increase their options at quarterback so you don't get stuck without a quarterback. Now, five years, six years later, they are stuck without a quarterback, but that's because they're a terrible franchise. Okay, but in my opinion, you stock up on quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, and you hope to hit one because. My philosophy is you keep adding a young quarterback every year until you hit one. In my opinion, it would be in the first round, not the, the third and fourth round, as the Giants have done the past couple of years. They took Davis Webb, then they took Kylo Letta. So you stock up with quarterbacks, okay, including, hopefully, your quarterback of the future. Now, if you can't get Dwayne Haskins and he's the guy you peg, right, then you, you roll with the Teddy, Bridgewater, Loletta, you see what you have there. You bring in another veteran, like the Josh McCown and you know, like a veteran like that, just to sort of solidify the room, and you go forward. But to me, the Eli Manning era is over. There's no use of going down it again. You're not going anywhere. You're not winning anything with it. Now, they probably will. It seems to be leaning that way that the Giants, everything I hear is that the Giants are, are likely to do that because they're in a situation where they can't guarantee the quarterback they're going to get, right? Let's say they wanted Dwayne Haskins, or let's say they wanted Drew Locke, or I'm making up names in the draft. There's no guarantee they get that guy because free agency comes in March. The draft comes at the end of April. So they're like almost six weeks apart. You have to do free agency before the draft. So they have to make sure they're set at the quarterback position, at least can get by for this year, before the draft even comes around. Which is why the Jets last year, I'm just using them as an example, ended up with Teddy Bridgewater, Josh McCown, and then drafted their guy. Because they didn't know if they were going to get Sam Darnold. They didn't know for a fact that they were going to be able to get their quarterback of the future. The Giants now are in that same position. Actually, they have the six, number six pick too. Same thing. Now there's less teams in front of them that want a quarterback, which helps them out. Fewer quarterbacks in this draft, which doesn't help them out. So that's my plan for the quarterback position. Ideal world, I try and get Dwayne Haskins and Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year deal and move forward. Hope I hit on both of them, and then I'm in a position of power going forward. Worst case scenario, hit on one of them. Not worst case, but hopefully you hit on one of them, particularly the number your, your first pick. You move forward from there. You're all good. You're good for this year. You could play Teddy. If that doesn't work at the beginning, then you could go to Haskins. Right? And and it's cheaper than bringing back Eli. The two of them combined. So to me, that makes sense. And you don't need to worry about Eli's feelings, right? I mean, oh, you're going to get rid of him. I mean, they paid the guy $250 million already. He's fine. Okay, if you say we, it's enough. We, we, you know, we had a great run. We won two Super Bowls. You were an all-time legend. It's just time for us to move on. There should be nothing wrong with that. We're at the point where there should be nothing wrong with that. Then you look at the Giants' defense. Now this is the area that needs the most work. Okay, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. 
Okay, two big decisions looming over this group to start with. Olivier Vernon and Landon Collins. To me, the easy thing is you, you tag Landon Collins. They can't let guys who are 25 and under, who are playmakers in this league, leave that defense, okay? So you put the tag on him. It'll probably be in like the $12 million range. You put the tag on him. Now, for me, you need pass rush, okay? You're not getting Demarcus Lawrence. You're not getting Frank Clark. To me, those guys probably are. They're not going to hit the market. I have a hard time seeing how their current teams let those guys hit the market. I mean, even, right? Just wouldn't, wouldn't make a ton of sense. They need to keep those guys. The Seahawks, the Cowboys, they need to keep those guys. Now, so to me, the Giants' best move is actually to keep Olivier Vernon. Now, I know, I know, huge number, right? Huge number. His, his, his huge salary, probably not worth it. He's been injured a little too much lately, but he's by far their best pass rusher. Is this unit really in position to get rid of their best pass rusher? Now, if you get rid of Eli, you're getting money there. So Giants are already over, you know, they'll be in $35 million under the salary cap range. You know, maybe even close to 40 by the time they're done shaving something. It's like, you know, they got rid of Connor Barwin. There's a few more. Jonathan Stewart will be gone. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's some money to be saved there. The Giants are not going to be completely short on money here. They'll have some money this offseason. Okay? So that that's not a huge concern. So to me, you keep Olivier Vernon because you need pass rushers. And you add another pass rusher in free agency. Now, not the huge name pass rusher, right? Because then you're back where you were with Olivier Vernon in the first place. And then you're you're... You're committed to him with guaranteed money. At least Olivier Vernon at this point, they'll be able to cut him whenever they want, and the financial implications will be minimal. If they go and they sign, let's say, a Jadavian Clowney or a D. Ford, I mean, you're talking huge, huge money. Jadavian Clowney, by the way, has never had a 10-sack season. So, And these guys are going to cost a ton of money, right, just like Olivier Vernon did. So you'll end up having that D4 now is a better, more uh, accomplished pass rusher. But do you really want to commit that all that money? Then you end up back in the same spot that they're in. When they went, what was it, uh, three years ago now. So what, it's uh, 19, 18. It's like the, was it the 2016 offseason when, when they added Snacks, Jenkins, and Vernon. Like that's not the way to build your team. It's hard to build your team that way. And it proved that wasn't the best way to go. They already got rid of Snacks and think he was worth the money now. And there's talk now of getting rid of Vernon, who people don't think is worth the money either. And he probably isn't. But they're in a spot right now where can they really afford to get rid of their best pass rusher. To me, you keep Vernon, right? You have Lorenzo Carter, promising rookie. You have Kareem Martin. He's signed. Not much of a pass rusher. And the interior, you need a lot of help. B.J. Hill's pretty much the only guy who is a significant pass rusher from the interior. So to me, you add a second-tier pass rusher in free agency, a Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith. I like those two guys. Zadarius is from the Ravens. 
Preston Smith is from the Redskins. They both played in the 3-4. Those are the kind of guys I like. I think you maybe add one of those guys. Now, they're going to be costly too, but not as costly as the D Ford range, right? They're like that next level guy. So I say you add a next level guy like that. You add uh interior pass rushing guy in the draft, another guy. And the best thing to me, because there's not a great interior defensive line group in free agency, okay? So to me, the best move is you get a nose tackle. I like... I like uh, I'm about to call him Ladanian Tomlinson, right? Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. I don't think he's a natural nose tackle. So you get a natural nose tackle and you move Dalvin Tomlinson back out to defensive end. And then you add more defensive linemen in the draft. Second, third, fourth round. Right? And you throw them all into the mix and you hope to improve your pass rush that way. Maybe R.J. McIntosh from last year. Maybe he steps up. Becomes more of a pass rushing threat in year two from the interior. So, to me, that's my way of attacking the defensive line. Add a second-tier pass rusher, a good pass rusher, but a second-tier guy, and add defensive ta- interior defensive guys in the draft and maybe a nose tackle in free agency. Just a run stuffer you could put in the middle. Okay? Just don't need him to be a nine, $10 million guy like Damon Harrison was, right? Obviously, he's not going to be as good. Damon Harrison was the best, is probably the best in the league at stopping the run. But then on the all, okay, so that's, that's the defense to me. And that linebacker, you go and you add Dion Buchanan. Out of place last year for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, just didn't work out, right? Uh, new scheme, new coaches, but this is James Betcher's guy. Converted safety. The exact kind of linebacker the Giants need, and they have to make a decision at the middle of the linebacker, right? It's Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson. They're kind of the same kind of guy. Now, Ogletree, they're committed to him on money for this year. His money was guaranteed last year, so they're kind of stuck with him for another year. So Dion Buchanan and Alec Ogletree in the middle. Maybe you can get something for B.J. Goodson, or unless they want to move on from Ogletree, which I don't see because he's a defensive captain. They see benefits of it. So I don't see them doing that right now. I might do that. I mean, long term, maybe just keep Goodson another year and let Ogletree's money run out. And then next year you have Dion Buchanan and Goodson in the middle and then move forward from there. I don't think that's, I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's a huge difference between Ogletree and Goodson. Ogletree, yes, slightly better in coverage. He did have the five picks. Still not good coverage though. Uh, I think that he's just, just an okay player, right? For a lot of money, $10 million a year. But they're, they're, they're stuck with that for this year. So how they move forward there, I don't know. But I want to add Dion Buchanan to that mix because they need that kind of guy. They need the guy that's more the cover guy, the faster guy, the speed guy, that can do all the other things, right? That's where he comes in handy, knows James Betcher's scheme, system, perfect fit. So right now I see a much better defense. We improved that front seven. Uh, the back, they're adding – uh, they picked in the supplemental draft last year. Uh, the cornerback, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I'll get, I'll get back to that in a minute. Oh man, come on. Shields, not Shields. What's his name? Uh, out of sight. This is one of those things, out of sight, out of mind, right? Uh, or out of mind, out of sight. Uh, it's driving me nuts. I'm looking it up real quick. It is Sam Beal. Right, right, right. 
Beal. I kept thinking Sam Shields. Sam Beal. He's going to add him to the mix. You hope to get something from him in the draft too. Keep adding to that secondary free safety position. We're going to they're going to need to address. But to me, that's something you have to do on the cheap. Now, the offensive line or the offense in general. We took did the quarterback. There's not much you really need to add to the offense. You need to keep adding to that offensive line. Now, people say go out and get Darrell Williams, the right tackle. Um, who missed the season from the Panthers. Uh, go out and get the uh, right tackle in general. But to me, it's not sustainable. It's not a w- good way to build the team. If you have a left tackle, Nate Solder, who you got a, a big money free agency and you're overpaying, and then you're going to go overpay for a right tackle in free agency, to me that doesn't make sense. The draft is where they need to find their right tackle. Okay? Second, third round, get a starter. That's kind of what the Rams have, right? They have Rob Havenstein as their right tackle. Was a mid-round, late-round pick. They're starting right tackle, and then they pay big money for the left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. To me, that's how the Giants need to do that. They could sign a right guard. I'm okay with bringing back Jamon Brown. I'd probably bring him back for continuity purposes. Uh, good run blocker. Not a great pass blocker, but still a starting caliber player in this league. Uh, they're not going to go out and sign a Pro Bowl right guard at this point anyway. So bring back Jamon Brown, sign him, and keep drafting offensive linemen. Mid-late rounds. Got a hit on some of them. Gettleman did in Carolina. Did with an undrafted guy in Andrew Norwell. Need one of those. Okay. Now in regards to free agents, Landon Collins I'll bring back. I'd like to bring back Kerry Wynn. He had a good year. Some of the special teamers would be good to bring back. The Russell Shepherds, Nate Stupars, um, I know everybody didn't like B.W. Webb, but B.W. Webb for the price and what he did, I think he's a good reserve cornerback you could put out there. In Look, if you put him out there full-time, it starts he starts to get exposed. But if you have him as a backup or reserve, I think that's actually a good veteran guy to have. Jamon Brown, I just said. Scott Simonson's a free agent. Bring him back. These are the unrestricted free agents, so. Those are some of the guys I think they should bring back. They're most of the restricted and, and exclusive rights guys. We'll, we'll go over in detail. I'll, I'll have an article about, about that kind of stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, most of those guys will come back. You should bring back Alchick Rosas, no-brainer. Eli Penny, yeah, he was good. Uh, John Jalapio, yeah, these are all exclusive rights guys. So the, the, these are no-brainer decisions for the Giants. So that's how I'm going about the major portions, the major parts of rebuilding the Giants to me. That's how I'm doing it. I'm keeping Evan Ingram. I'm not trading any of my weapons. Uh, I am looking to rebuild my, uh, retool my offense by adding a quarterback, right? And then solidifying that offensive line a little more, a little more, a little more each year. Then the goal to me, not this year, but the second year. Now we're looking to be contenders. Okay, slowly rebuilt into contenders. And this team is going to be, need to be built around the offense. They have all those investments in the offense. That's the group that's going to have to carry them. All right, now they're going to need that young, cheap quarterback to do it. So to me, Dwayne Haskins. That's the move. Got to make it happen regardless of cost. That's the position they're in. They put themselves in this position because of last year. Now can they really wait? Can you really wait on getting a quarterback? You'd rather not. You'd rather not because Odell, already in year what? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18? He's already in year six. 
Saquon will be in year two. You wait till 2020 to get your quarterback. Let's say it takes a, you know, his rookie year, he's in a learning curve. Then you're looking at 2021 before he really, you know, steps it up to the level where you could compete for something real. Odell's in his eighth year. Saquon's in his third year already. I mean, it's not, that's a tough spot. And they put themselves in this tough spot. So that's how, that's WWJD. What would Jordan do this offseason, 2019, for the New York Giants? On to the next one. Let's move on to our favorite part of this podcast. The portion where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We're going to start with a question from John Egan. At Egan MU. He says, with the mostly mediocre play of Locke and Jones, that's Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, in the senior bowl, and they really never were top 10 picks anyway, how likely does it seem the Giants will have to move up to get Haskins if they actually like him? All right. So the answer to that is very likely, in my opinion. In the end, now, in the end, if one of these teams really wants him, and the way I look at it is, I broke it down, okay? I went and put who, which teams need quarterbacks this offseason. Now, I have like a, a list of five teams that are seriously in the mix for top quarterbacks. There's a list of five or six teams I put on the side, like the Patriots, the Chargers. They're eventually going to need to find their, their successors to their quarterbacks. Uh, the Bengals, the, the Titans, Bucks, Steelers. They're like the peripheral quarterback teams. But I have five main teams in the top half of the draft who are looking for a quarterback. And the way I see this panning out at this point is Dwayne Haskins is going to be the clear cut. That guy is a franchise quarterback guy, and mostly everyone else people disagree on. So he's going to be the guy that somebody's going to trade up for. Remember two years, three years ago, there was two quarterbacks that were franchise quarterbacks. It was Carson Wentz. And uh, Jared Goff, Jared Goff, who is now in the Super Bowl for the Rams, he went one, Wentz went two. In order to guarantee that they got their quarterback, the Eagles, who were without a quarterback at that time, needed to trade up. And they traded up twice, I believe. They were in the teens, moved up to like nine, and then from nine went to two so that they could guarantee that they got their quarterback. Now I see one of these other, one of these five teams, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Redskins, and the Giants. One of those teams is going to say, Dwayne Haskins is our guy. We can't take the chance. We need a franchise quarterback. You can't go anywhere in this league without a franchise quarterback. We need to do everything possible, trade up, and get our guy. Okay? And the Giants, they have a built-in advantage. Right? Right now, they have a built-in advantage. Why is that? Because they have the sixth pick. Right? And because they have the sixth pick... They have the most, uh, they have the biggest advantage because they have the most draft equity at number six. Whereas if they want to move from six to four, six to three, six to two, six to one, it will cost them less than all these other teams that they're trying to make that jump up so far. So that's a positive for the Giants. And, uh, I do think that they're going to have to move up in order to get him. So it'll likely cost. Uh, multiple second round picks or their future first round pick in order probably 
to get Dwayne Haskins. But if you think he's your franchise quarterback, your franchise quarterback is worth anything and everything. Gary Williams, at Gary C. Williams. Great name, by the way, because uh, I'm a Maryland guy. And Gary Williams, of course, legendary Maryland coach. Won them a uh, NCAA championship title. Took them to a Final Four when I was there. Good memories for Gary Williams. So I like your name. You're already off to a good start. But you're Gary C. Williams. Is there any chance they surprise us by grabbing Kyler Murray at number six? I would be surprised if they grab Kyler Murray. There's a lot of questions about him. The size is going to be one. The other one is going to be, is he in it for the long run? It, you know, the, the baseball thing is still going to hover over him. He could always, you know, if he struggles, he, he, you know, throw in the towel early and go back over to baseball, which would be the smart move for him if he does struggle. So with Kyler Murray, he only played one year. He's on the small side. I do love his arm. I think he could be successful in this league. I think he'd be a great quarterback. But I would be surprised if the Giants, this high in the draft, decided that they were going to take Kyler Murray. I really would. I really, really do, would be very surprised. So my answer to that is probably no. I'd be a strong lean towards no. At Mike Deuce says, why are you so anti-Giants considering you are the beat writer? All right, Mike, I'll play. Do you really think, I mean, what do you want, what do you, what do you, how positive do you want me to be, right? You don't want me to be negative. They are, they have eight wins. Eight wins in the last two years combined. They're three and thirteen and five and eleven. They're eight and twenty-four. There's one team with fewer wins over the last two years than the New York Giants. And it is the Cleveland Browns. And they went winless in twenty seventeen. Winless. Every other team has been better than the Giants. How am I going to sit here with a straight face and tell you all positive things about the New York Giants who are one of the worst teams in the NFL? They've made the playoffs in seven years. Oh, sorry. They made the playoffs once in seven years. Once. It's not a good organization right now. It's not a good franchise. They're bad. They've been bad. You should be concerned about things that are going on in the organization right now that make you say, are they really going to get better? Are some of the same people still involved in the main decisions inside that organization, inside that building, that might prevent this organization from being good again? Because they made a lot of mistakes the past couple of years. Not couple years, more than that. And even more so, go look at the Giants' record since I came on the beat. I came on the beat in the 2013 season. They started off, what, 0-6? I actually came in the seventh game when they won against the Vikings. So that year was a bad year, right? 14 was a bad year. 13, by the way, Eli threw, what, 27 interceptions in one year? I mean, jeez. That's hard to do in today's NFL. So 14 was a bad year. 15 was a bad year. I mean, they really weren't competitive in any of these years. 16, they had a good year. McAdoo's first year as head coach. 17, they, you know, pooped the bed. 
and 18, they were just as bad. They added Odell Beckham and, and Saquon Barkley and ended up with two more wins. Five and 11. Two of the, basically the team that was there when they went three and 13. So they're bad again. And they haven't even really been playoff contenders in any of those years. And I don't care what anybody wants to tell me about this past year. They were never a playoff contender. They were less than 1%. You were dreaming. Living in fantasy world. Thinking that this team was anywhere near a playoff contender. In the middle of the year. They weren't. So that's where I stand on why I'm, as you say, anti-Giants. It's not anti-Giants. I'm just telling you what I see, and what I see hasn't been good. Last one, Nick Coates asks, how do you handle being away from the wife and daughter during the season? Well, here's what I'll say about that, Nick. When you go and you cover football, part of the reason you do it, like you cover, I covered other sports, right? I covered some baseball early in my career, basketball. You realize football is the best sport to cover from several reasons. One, it's the most popular. It's probably my favorite sport, too. Right? So more people care about it. You get paid more money. Ding, ding, ding. Very important right there. But also from a life practicality angle for a quality of life factor that's through the roof, football, more than any other sport, is... Monday to Friday-ish during the week, the Giants practice, you're home, you, you know, you go to go home and be there before my daughter goes to sleep. Now, you do have to travel a little bit, but think about it. I leave on a Saturday, okay, to go to Dallas, and I'm back first thing Monday morning. So the trips are kind of short. Now, I'm always disconnected. My wife yells at me. I, I, you know, I'm not concentrating. I'm always on my phone. That is the worst part. But then if you you think about it, if I covered other sports, right, you cover baseball, 81 road games, games are mostly at night. You're not done till one or two in the morning, right? Football. Yeah. We have one game a week. That game, you know, you're probably out for the night. You pretty, pretty much Sundays. I'm out. You know, I'm totally off, off the grid. For the wife and the daughter. But during the week, for the most part, Monday to Friday, I'm there in the morning, put my daughter on the bus. I'm there at night when she goes to sleep. All right, so not so bad. Saturday home games, you're, you're off on Saturdays, so that's like a date, usual date night during the season. If I covered baseball, basketball, like hockey, night games, night games, night games. You're not home till 2 in the morning. So, they actually say, if you cover baseball, it's a recipe for divorce. Like you, you're just, you're way too much. Football though, not bad. It's actually the biggest, the longest trips you take are in the off season. The combine, um, if you go to senior bowl, super bowl week, I'm not there this week, but if you do cover those things, you're away for, you know, the super bowl is like a week trip, longest trip of the year. Combine, five to four or five days, something like that. So the off season is actually some of the longest trips, but I work at home in the off season for the most part. So I'm home right now, right? I'm actually taping this in my house. It's been a long week. My daughter, I took into the doctor twice already this week. Once she pulled her groin professional athlete style, right? Like she's like a real deal athlete already, I guess. I mean, she's, she's got it. She had a groin pull. All right. And I was worried. What the heck is this? She's got this black and blue on a 
bump on her leg. And then she got the flu. So another thing, this, you know, they make you take this flu shot, right? And you can still, you still get the flu. So now she's got the flu. So I'm home today. I'm actually taping this upstairs right now in my house while my daughter is downstairs. My wife is also home today, but I'm watching her most of the day. So you get to do these kind of things in the off season because in the off season, I'm working from home most of the time. Huge benefit. Huge benefit. So I'm around a lot in the off season. Now, granted, I'm still connected to my phone more than an average human being, uh, and it aggravates the heck out of everybody around me and my wife, and they yell at me, and uh, it's pretty pathetic how much I am on my phone. But part of the gig, that's part of the deal. Unfortunately, we all have to learn to deal with it. I try and limit it as much as possible. I do a terrible job at that, and they all just yell at me. My daughter says, Daddy, get off your phone. Daddy, why why you watch this? Stop looking at your phone. And I feel like a terrible person, which it's hard to argue. So, And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com. And remember, go subscribe to this podcast, Breaking Big Blue. Tell all your friends. We need to grow this, right? Big goal this offseason. We are going to grow this podcast. We're going to take it to new levels, right? We're going to make it Giants-related, but also it's going to be entertaining. I want other fans of other teams to be able to want to listen to this because it's entertaining in general. So tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe, rate it on iTunes. You could get it on a podcatcher if you're on um, an Android phone. You can... Get it from the ESPN app, right? You can get it from uh, Google Play. We're all over the place. So make sure Breaking Big Blue, pass it along, rate us, get us moving up that leaderboard of best podcasts, all right? So I appreciate everybody for listening. Feel free to reach out to me anytime on any platform you know where to find me. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. (laughs) 